Just as we've been singing, Lord, we are just so blessed by your love, God, and how great is your love toward us, how great is your mercy and grace, how much we love you back, God, how sweet is your forgiveness, and so, God, just even cleanse us right now as we come before you in prayer, Lord, and we ask, Lord, that you'd speak to us tonight, you would encourage us, you would lift us up, and that you would have a word for each one of us, Lord, who's listening in or here tonight, God. So we ask for your Holy Spirit to bless this time, and we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. The famous psychiatrist Carl Menninger was once quoted by Billy Graham years ago saying that if he could convince the patients in the psychiatric hospitals that their sins are forgiven, 75% of them could walk out the next day. I think that's interesting. It seems that finding forgiveness is one of the major problems in our world today. But we know one thing, don't we, that God is a forgiving God, and that's why Jesus came. He came to die on a cross, rise again. He came to give his life so that we can be forgiven of our sins and that our lives would be changed through that forgiveness. And and that's something I hope you guys can grasp tonight because what we're going to look at tonight is the power of forgiveness. That's the title of our message. The power of forgiveness. Now, we're going to pick up where we last left off in Luke chapter 5. We're going to be studying verses 17 through 26. And it's really the story of the healing of the paralytic man. But here we'll see the power of forgiveness. Now our outline is this. Number one, the paralyzed man. Number two, the Pharisees' critique. And number three, the proof in the healing. So those are the three things we're going to see. It's going to be part of our point also. But let's begin with number one in our outline, the paralyzed man. The paralyzed man. Uh, Here we're going to cover in this section from verse 17 through 20. Uh, Let's first... Pick up here at verse 17. We'll begin here. Verse 17. And this gives us like the scene of what's going on. So take a look with me here now. It says in verse 17. On one of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was with them to heal. So let's stop right there. Now, we come into the story beginning in verse 17 on one of those days. And what are these days that we're talking about? Well, we're talking about the ministry of Jesus Christ. As he's been ministering throughout the area here, going from town to town. And here it says, on one of those days as he was teaching. Now, now in, in the book of Matthew and Mark, tell us that he actually made his back to Capernaum. So he's... Uh, back in his um, kind of home base, Capernaum, remember that's where he called the disciples. And perhaps people even think that he's teaching here in Peter's house. He could be back at home base, which was Peter's residence. So it could be that he's there. So he's back ministering again, doing ministry and all that. So on one of those days that he was ministering and he was teaching, we see that the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. So they had joined in in the teaching of Jesus. They're sitting there probably in Peter's house and when he's in Capernaum now. And so they're there now. Uh, these Pharisees. Now, first of all, we know the Pharisees were being introduced little by little more and more 
to the Pharisees. And throughout the book, we're going to find out more. But basically, they are uh, one group of the religious leaders uh, in, in Israel at that time. Of course, Rome was in control, but they, they allowed these religious leaders to, to be over the people in a sense of in the religion and all that, the Judaism that they follow. And the Pharisees, we know, they are very legalistic. Uh, they are more about the outward show than what's going on inside the heart. And we're going to see as we go, Jesus calls them on that. But at this point, here's the Pharisees and also the teachers of the law. Now, these are the same that we will see later called the scribes in verse 21. These guys, they were like the, the, the guys who copy the scriptures and they 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 make more scrolls and all. They and they were experts on the law. They were teach and they became teachers and they were basically we would maybe say today uh, lawyers. They were experts in the in Moses's law and in the scriptures there. So there here we have the Pharisees and then we also have these scribes, these teachers of the law. They're sitting there and they're listening to Jesus teach. Now you have to understand that that Jesus. His name is out there now, right? He's getting more well-known. That's why you see next, these guys had come from every village of Galilee, the northern area of Israel, Judea, the southern area, like South County of Israel, and from Jerusalem, meaning these guys came coming from Jerusalem. These guys are kind of the official guys coming from Jerusalem, Jerusalem being like the main city where the temple sits so these religious leaders are there now and jesus had become even more more popular people are hearing about him remember they're saying like hey we never heard anyone teach like this and then all the miracles that are going on so these guys are interested they want to know what's going on they want to know who is this jesus who is this jesus of nazareth coming out of nowhere and doing all these things so they're they're coming to check him out to, to see who he is and kind of, you know, kind of judge him in, in, a, in a sense and in, in looking at him in that way. Now, at the end of verse 17, Luke writes, the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Now, Luke puts a little note out there again. Uh, really, he, he's, he's saying Jesus. Remember, Luke looks at really his emphasis is, is Jesus coming as a human being, as a man. So he's saying, here's Jesus who humbled himself. Right, he's here. He's fully man, fully God. But remember, he set aside uh, his 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 God attributes to just walk as a man. But remember, he was baptized in the Spirit, so he has the power of the Spirit. So now he has the power of God. He's he's there uh, doing God's will and all of this. So Luke puts a little note out there. Remember, this is Jesus, you know, who's come and God who's come in the flesh here. So here's these guys now. This is the scene. They're sitting in this house. It could be Peter's place in Capernaum. Pharisees, scribes, and all, and Jesus is teaching. Well, look what happens next in verse 18 and 19. It says, And behold, some, uh, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way... To bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. Okay, so here's the situation now. Now, as Jesus is teaching, the Pharisees and the scribes sitting there, behold, some men. Now, Mark tells us there's four guys here. And they're carrying 
this paralyzed man on a bed, or I, I kind of picture like a stretcher type thing, maybe, you know, that they put together. And so they're trying to get into this house to bring this paralyzed man before Jesus so that he could be healed. But they could not get in. Why? Because of the crowd. So the place was packed out. This house was all packed out. There's no way people were probably in the doorway and and uh, too bad, you know, people weren't allowing the guy to come in, you know, at all. They didn't make way, but there's just so many people there. So these guys thought, well, you know what? Let's let's try the roof. And back then there was a staircase on the outside of the house and on top of the house they make kind of a lanai area too so you can go up there and hang out you know, and, and all that. Well, they went up there and they started taking apart the roof up there or the seating, ceiling, the tiles and everything like that that were placed there on the beams over this house. So, you, you know, here they go. They're breaking through and, and they're doing all this so they can, they can drop the guy right in front of Jesus. I don't know how they could figure it out, but they maybe, you know, maybe they're construction guys. They know exactly where to make this hole. So they did that. They took away the tiles and everything like that. And, and they dropped the guy right there where Jesus was right in front of him, right before him, where he was teaching. Now, isn't that crazy? I mean, what kind of people would do this, right? These four guys, I mean, these are, you can say, true friends in that fact that they were determined, you know, to do this for, I'm assuming, their friend who was paralyzed to help and so that he could get healed and Oh, I just see this picture of how far, look how far, you know, their love went, the distance. And, and no matter what obstacle, they, they're, they're just, no, we're, we're, we're going to make this work some way, somehow. They didn't turn away from the crowds or just wait outside, maybe. No, they wanted to get this guy to Jesus right away. Can you imagine? Jesus is teaching, maybe mid-sentence, all of a sudden, right in the middle of a sentence, all of a sudden you hear this noise, everyone's looking up at the roof and some some you know dust and dirt starting to fall down and all of a sudden there's sunlight peeping through you know then there's there's big opening i mean can can you imagine all that happening if it was at peter's house i'm sure peter's like whoa 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 wait wait what's my house you know what's what's going on and then they make this opening big enough to just drop that guy right down i don't know how exactly who knows if they have ropes or something not sure but the guy ended up right there what determination driven by love you know i mean I, I was thinking well let us pray and reach out like this to those who need jesus so much yeah. may we have that kind of determination inside us well then look at verse 20 this is really interesting and when he saw their faith that jesus saw their faith he said man your sins are forgiven now this is super interesting because look jesus saw their faith. Whose faith? The four guys. Yeah, He saw their faith. What, what does he mean by that? He saw their determination. He saw that no matter what, no obstacle wasn't going to stop them to bring the man to Jesus. They had faith. They knew Jesus could heal him. And in their faith, nothing stopped them to bring the guy to Jesus. And that was that, that faith. And, you know, I was, I was thinking about that, how, how, yeah, what, 
what kind of faith is that? I mean, we need that kind of faith that no matter the obstacle, no, Lord, we're going we're gonna to get to you. No matter the obstacle, we're going to keep our faith in you. No matter, you know, we're, we're just going to go. I mean, we're so, like, so convenience uh, uh, we lean to our convenience, right? So, oh, if it's not easy, oh, for, oh no, Lord, I, I, I'm going to try another way, right? But they, nothing stopped them. I thought, God, I want to have that kind of faith where nothing stops me. Nothing stops me from doing what you want me to do. Nothing stops me from believing that you can do this. You know, no matter the obstacle there. And so that's what Jesus saw. He saw their faith. And that's kind of interesting also. It wasn't so much the man's faith, right? The paralyzed man. But it was these guys' faith, you know, that Jesus really recognized. And, and who knows? Who, who, who knows, right? Uh, uh, but but I, I see so much focus on these guys' faith. So, so Jesus sees their faith. And then he says, man, talking to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven you. Now, this is really interesting, right? Because I'm sure the four guys are like, wait, 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 Jesus, wait, you're supposed to say, you're healed, right? But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. You would think the first thing on, 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 the, on their minds would be bringing a guy, getting him healed, right? So he can walk again. This is a paralyzed man. Yet, what's the first thing Jesus says? Your sins are forgiven forgiven you now traditionally it's believed this guy uh, was paralyzed because of some sin some believe it was maybe some sexual sin or something or something happened to him but we don't know exactly it seems like there was something that maybe caused the him to be paralyzed because of the sin i mean we're kind of assuming this but I, i see it that way i mean think about like alcoholism right I mean, if, you, if that sin, right, of, of getting drunk all the time, drinking all the time, it can affect the consequences of that sin can affect your liver, right, your kidneys. Um, uh, if you drive drunk, right, uh, you can get in an accident and you can be paralyzed. You know, so I'm just, we don't know what it is, but it would seem like his sin brought him to that place of where he's paralyzed now. Now, it's interesting so if that's the case, that Jesus, the first thing he would say is, man, your sins are forgiven. We don't know exactly, but you know what? Jesus knew the, what the paralyzed man was really hurting about. That's what I see. Uh, Jesus knew exactly what was going on. Something was going on more in his heart, and he needed to be forgiven. That's what I see here. Maybe for so many years this paralyzed man had been like drowning in his guilt, drowning in the regret. And, and, and maybe he's given up already, you know? His, it, being paralyzed because of his sin, however that happened, he's just kind of give up, but not his friends. So his friends giving up. Maybe that's why it was their friend's fate that Jesus really saw. And then now, think of the guy lying there, unable to move, right? He's totally paralyzed all ridden and full of guilt because of his sin. And then the first words that come out of Jesus' mouth is, your sins are forgiven. Can you imagine? Can you imagine suddenly his burden is lifted? Suddenly there's 
peace in his heart. So, so, suddenly, the condemnation is like God, because God has forgiven him. He's, he's receiving forgiveness there. I mean, I kind of pictured a guy lying there and Jesus saying those amazing words and you could almost see a tear coming out of his eye, you know, like his eyes are starting to well up with tears and all. Here's the thing. Jesus knew the deepest need of the paralyzed man, which is the need to be forgiven. That's what I see here. Jesus knew the deepest need of the paralyzed man, which is the need to be forgiven. Turn over to the Old Testament to Psalm chapter 32. Psalm chapter 32. In verse 1, Psalm 32, verse 1. It says, Psalm 32, verse 1 says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is is covered. Now now look at that verse. It says, Blessed is the one who's forgiven. This guy is blessed. He's forgiven. You know what I think? I think he's good now. Maybe he can't walk, he can't use his limbs, he's paralyzed, he can't do nothing. But being forgiven, he's blessed. He could go home just like that. Because now that forgiveness has come, the guilt has been taken off, the condemnation, everything is gone, and he's made whole. You know, God knows our deepest need, right? And our deepest need is, is inside of us. It's our soul. It's, it's that forgiveness. And it's not so much to have that perfect health or have money or clothes or, or houses or cars, but you know what? Our greatest and deepest need is to be right with God. That's, that's what, what matters to us the, the most. And that's what I believe what, what Jesus saw here. He saw his deepest need. So the first thing he said was to bring that forgiveness. I mean, that's what really matters, right? Jesus said, and over in like Matthew sixteen twenty six, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Yeah. It's nothing. But forgiveness, that's huge that's huge you know luke brings out this focus on forgiveness here because he's showing jesus and in, in, first of all remember in this chapter he, he called the disciples right by mercy and grace they weren't worthy but he's calling them and then last week we saw the leprous man was healed the compassion i tired that the uncommon compassion no one no one has compassion like that but now today we see the forgiveness of God. From Christ's compassion towards sinners to the forgiveness of, of sinners here. And so the paralytic man not only found that compassion, but he found forgiveness. Let me ask you tonight, are you hurting tonight? Is there heavy condemnation upon you? Are, are you carrying that weight of guilt? I mean, right? When you feel guilty, it's like this weight up, upon you. Huh? You know what? Jesus wants to forgive you. If, if you're connected online, Jesus wants to forgive you. That's his heart. His forgiveness is there for you if you just go to him, if you turn to him, if you confess your sins. And Jesus is right there. He's, he's not sitting there like, like 
condemning you, but he, with open arms, he's saying, come, I want to forgive you. Come, I, want, I, want, I love you. I have compassion on you. He knows our deepest need. And perhaps you're here tonight, and perhaps maybe even you're online, you're connected, and, and, you, and maybe you haven't told anybody, but that's your deepest need, and Jesus knows that. He wants to forgive you, and we just need to go to him. So we see this power of forgiveness happening already, and just by these words that Jesus gave for this paralyzed man. Well, let's go on to number two in our outline, the Pharisees' critique. Back to Luke chapter 5, the Pharisees' critique. And here we're going to see two verses, verses 21 and 22. So verse 21, first of all, it says, And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this? who speaks blasphemies, who can forgive sins but God alone. So here's the Pharisees, here's the, here's the scribes, they hear Jesus, your sins are forgiven. They're like, whoa, wait, 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 what's going on? How could Jesus say these words? He, he's, he's just a guy here. We don't even know him. We don't even know who he is. And he says, your sins are forgiven? How, how can that? Only God, right, can forgive sins. Only God has that authority. So these guys are like, wait a minute, what's going on? Oh, that's not right. Whoa, they're, they're, they're like going, oh, I'm not sure about that, right? Now, in their questioning and this critique of Jesus here, in one sense, you got to say, yeah, they're right, right? When they say, who can forgive sins but God alone? That's true. That's true. Only God has that authority. I cannot go to someone and say, hey, I'm going to for- I forgive you of your sins, you know, that you, you've done. I mean, I can if he did for me, but I'm not God. I, I don't have that right. Only God has. And so they're right. Daniel 9, chapter uh, 9, verse 9 says, To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. So in one sense, they're right. Who can? Only God can. But in another sense, they're wrong. You know why? Because Jesus is God, right? Because Jesus is God, and God is speaking these words. The religious leaders came to find out who Jesus is. Well, Jesus shows them who he is, who he really is. He is God. But then look at verse 22 now. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? So here's Jesus. He perceived. The word means he's, he's fully acquainted. He knows their thoughts. What does that mean? Jesus could read their thoughts. Yeah, Jesus can, can see that. The other gospels say uh, Jesus knew what they were saying within themselves. You know? Jesus knows what's going on in their mind and head. Why? Because he's God. And so he exposes what, that he knows by saying, hey, why do you guys question in your hearts? Why are you guys saying this about me? Why are you saying what? You know, saying that I'm blaspheming by saying this? Why, why are you guys question that? Jesus knew what they were thinking exactly. Matthew Henry wrote, God not only sees men, he sees through them. I like that. Yeah. He doesn't just see us, but he says sees right through us. He knows everything about us. He knows what's in our mind. He knows what's in our heart. So here's what we see. Jesus knew the deepest thoughts 
in the Pharisees' critique, so he tried to reach out to them. Jesus knew the deepest thoughts in the Pharisees' critique, so he tried to reach out to them. And I want you to see it this way. I want you to look at Jesus trying to reach out to them, really. He knows what they're thinking. He knows why they're there. You know, they're like arms crossed, like, who's this guy? Yeah. So Jesus, Jesus is trying to show them, hey, I'll show you who I am. I am the Messiah God. I am the one who has come. And I believe in his heart. And many times, even though we read in the Gospels, he confronts them, he's straight with them. But all of that, to me, is an act of love trying to reach out to them. And so I see Jesus knew the deepest thoughts in the Pharisees' critique. So, you know, he's trying to reach out to them. He's exposing what they're, they're thinking by saying, hey, he's calling them on. Hey, why, why are you questioning that? You know, so they would be taken away because who only would know our thoughts? God, right? So he's starting to reach out to him. I was thinking about this in his book, Mere Christianity. C.S. Lewis tackled this issue of, of someone seeing Jesus as a, just a great moral teacher, disregarding Jesus, his claim of being God. And so C.S. Lewis was addressing the, like someone in this way. And basically, C.S. Lewis was saying, he said, you can't do that. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. They wouldn't just be some teacher if Jesus' claims of being God or even what we're seeing here, right? Your sins are forgiven. Or, hey, I know your thoughts. And he's saying them. Well, C.S. Lewis goes on to say he would either be uh, the, um, talking about Jesus, uh, making these claims, he would either be a lunatic or else he would be the devil of hell. Either this man was and is the Son of God or else a madman or something worse. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord. Basically, C.S. Lewis is saying this, Jesus is either a liar a lunatic or Lord. He's either lying that he's the Son of God, that, oh, your sins are forgiven, or I, 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 I know your thoughts and exposing that. Or he's some crazy guy talking like he is God and he's not. Or he really is God. He really is Lord. If you look at Jesus, and some people say, oh, he's, he was a great teacher, you know, kind of thing. But if you really look at his claims and what he said, and like even in our story, I mean, what are you going to say? What are you going to do with all that? And this is where I believe Jesus is reaching out to the Pharisees' critique, and he's trying to, like, expose, hey, I can see what you're thinking. I, I know you're questioning that. And he's trying to show, hey, look, I, I am God. I believe this is um, Jesus' challenge, right, to these guys, to the Pharisees and scribes here and saying, yeah, think about it. Only God can forgive and perhaps maybe that's why I said that, right? Yeah, perhaps. So he's trying to put this picture together for them. You know, let me ask you this tonight. How long you been with the Lord? I mean, whether you're just coming to Christ or you've been to Jesus for a while. I mean, how long you been with, with God? Either way, every one of us is challenged with the same thing. Is Jesus a liar, a crazy guy, or the Lord? A lunatic or the Lord? 
I mean, if he is Lord, if you even say, yeah, I know Jesus is God, then do we live like he is God? Do we listen to him like he is God? Do we obey him like he is the Lord? Do we listen to what he says? Do, 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 we, do we really uh, uh, look at him in that way? And You know what? Do we trust him? In that way, I mean, uh, what kind of like say criticism are you voicing in how God is working in your life? I mean, I had to stop and think because sometimes I complain. Yeah, I do. You know, oh God, I don't like this or God, and then I realize, oh, am I questioning like the Pharisees? You know? I believe you're God. I believe you're the Lord. So I'm, I, I, I'm gonna do my best to trust you. If he is Lord, shouldn't he have full reign in how he deals with us in our life? And trust that. He's he's reaching out. He's trying to work in our life in a certain way. That's what I see Jesus doing with these Pharisees and scribes. Well, let's go on now to number three, our last heading. The proof and the healing. Now it gets exciting. The proof and the healing. We're going to be covering the rest of our verses from verse 23 to verse 26 here. But first, verse 23. So then Jesus goes on and he says, Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? Now, Jesus then goes on. He goes, why are you questioning me? Okay, let me put a question out to you guys. And he makes it real easy. Multiple choice. (laughs) Right? Well, the question is, okay, what is easier for someone to say? Yeah. Choice A, your sins are forgiven you. Or B, rise and walk. So just two answers, two multiple choice that you can choose to this question. What, what would be easier for a person to say? How about, how about you guys? What, what would you say? A, uh, your sins are forgiven you. Or B, Rise and walk. Which one? Which one is easier to say? What? What would? What would you say? A. A. I hear A and B and yeah. How about a C? I pick C. No, there was no C. You know what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you. You know why? Because you can say it, but who knows if the sins have been forgiven? Because that's done inside the heart and soul, right? What's harder to say is rise up and walk. Because if someone just came and, and said, well, rise up and walk, right? They got to really do it. Because you'll actually see the evidence of that. And that person then has this power to do that. But how do you know if the person has the power and authority to forgive sins? You don't know. He could say the word, but you don't know unless you can look inside that person's heart. So that's the question that Jesus puts out there. What's easier? Well, it will be A, your sins are forgiven. But as we go on now in the rest of these verses, Jesus chooses the harder one. He says here in verse 24, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. See, anybody could say that, right? He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. 
and amazement, verse 26, seized them on. They glorified God and were filled with all, saying, we have seen extraordinary, extraordinary things today. So Jesus picked the harder thing. He, he said, yeah, oh, well, you know, so, so that you'll know that I really have this authority. I'm going to do the harder one. And I'm going to heal this guy. So he totally healed this guy. He was able to pick everything up. So the healing, uh, get up, pick his stuff up and go home. The healing was clear evidence that the paralyzed man was forgiven, right? Clear evidence. He proved it by the guy being healed. The, the proof in the healing was that. And Jesus also proved that he is God who has the authority to forgive. So two things yeah, was going on here. The paralyzed man was forgiven, and Jesus, he proved that Jesus, Jesus had the authority to forgive. And no wonder everyone was just in amazement. It wasn't just a paralyzed man right, who was able to walk now, but what Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, right? And, and Jesus exposing how the Pharisees were challenging him on that, then the people saw, whoa, Jesus can forgive. And, and if, if the uh, Pharisees you know, were thinking that only God can, then Jesus must be God. Whoa, yeah? So there's a lot of stuff going on here. But suddenly, you know it. Notice that it says here in verse 25 at the end that he went home glorifying God. In amazement, they all glorified God. They're, they're filled and all. They were witnessing the glory of God in all of this, in the forgiveness and in the healing going on. C.H. Spurgeon wrote about what happened here. He's, he said, he sets one foot down to God's glory, talking about the paralyzed man. He plants the other to the same note. He walks to God's glory. He carries his bed to God's glory. He moves his whole body to the glory of God. He speaks, he shouts, he sings, he leaps to the glory of God. And I like that. Because I think right there, especially in the eyes of the Pharisees, yeah, especially in the, the eyes of the scribes, the glory of God came out. It wasn't just the power and healing, but the proof that Jesus is God by forgiving the man and the, seeing that the man's sins were forgiven. So it, it was just, whew, there, there, was, there was just one moment of the glory of God coming out. So our last point is this. By the proof and the healing, Jesus is clearly God the Messiah who holds the authority to forgive. The proof and the healing uh, by the proof in the healing, Jesus is clearly God the Messiah who holds authority uh, to forgive. You know that feeling, right? That junk feeling that, uh, when you've like wronged someone, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your kids, friend, or relative, and you got to go make right. Yeah, you you you, you got to go make right, and and um, they have that power to release you of that guilt and burden when and when they say it it's gone when they say i forgive you right they hold that authority over you but when they say it then whoo you're you're healed yeah you're you're healed inside well jesus has that authority he holds that authority in our sins before god he has the authority to come and say i forgive you i forgive you of your sins 
So know this fact that when God says, I forgive you, when he comes and we read in a word, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, First John 1, 9. He means that, you guys. He means it. So when you go to the Lord and, and Jesus forgives you, you know what? He's forgiven you. It's done with. He has that authority and it's true forgiveness done deal. Because Jesus died on the cross. His blood was shed. He gave his life as a sacrifice so that we would not have to pay the penalty. But now we can be forgiven, truly forgiven by the Lord. Know that. God has that forgive, uh, authority to forgive. Jesus has that. Listen, Jeremiah 31, 34 says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Isn't that awesome? He's not going to hold it against you no more. What do we do? We go to God and we ask for forgiveness and we're forgiven and we feel good, but then the next day we're like, oh, we think about it. And then we, we, we almost take back that, that guilt and say, oh, God, I'm so sorry, you know. And then we condemn ourselves and then, and then we start feeling bad and we think, oh, Lord, uh, please, please forgive me. I, I remember when I was first learning this principle of 1 John 1, 9, I was a new Christian and, 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 and as, as I came upon this verse, I had been really, First uh, John 1, 9, as I come upon it, I had been really like, you know, I had sinned, and I was like, Lord, please forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. You know, that was my prayer. Forgive me, forgive me. Every time I pray, forgive me, forgive me for days. And I came upon this verse, and I really looked at it. And, I, and the Lord spoke to me. Have faith in what I'm saying here. If you confess your sins, you know, I'll be faithful just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you. Know that. Jesus has that authority to forgive in the proof, in the healing, in this paralyzed guy. That's what we see here. Psalm 103, 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Again, he's not holding it against you. Don't we do that sometimes? Yeah. Don't we do that like, okay, I, I forgive my wife, or I forgive my husband, but then something happens, similar thing, and you're like, yeah, see? There it is again, right? We do that in a human way. But God, He doesn't go back there no more. Yeah? It's fresh in you. I hope today you understand that. The depths and the, of His cleansing and forgiveness. I, I hope you see that tonight. Because you know what? That really will heal us too, you know? From, from the inside out, where we, we, we start to feel whole again. We start to feel like a person. We start to feel like, oh God, I'm, I'm worth something to you because you've forgiven me. We start to feel like, I, I'm, I, can, I can live for you again. I can move forward in my life. That's, that's that healing. Think about this paralyzed man. He was paralyzed most likely because of consequences of his sin. But now, not only is forgiven, and that probably would have been enough, but now he can walk again. He can live this new life. He can go. He has a second chance now. Think about that. That's what forgiveness does. That's that power of forgiveness. 
when we really grasp the deep meaning of it. A little girl was given the chance to say grace and pray for uh, dinner. She tried her best to pray the same thing that she had heard her parents often say, which was, thank you, God, for the meal you, you have prepared for us. But when it came out, she didn't, didn't get the, right, the words just right. And to, and her, to her mother's dismay, she prayed, God, um, thank you for this meal that you have repaired for us. Mom thought, what's wrong with my cooking? No. <laughs> but God repairs us. That's the idea. Through the forgiveness is part of repairing us and making us whole, just like this paralyzed man. You know, the most powerful thing in the world is to be forgiven of your sin. Let me close with this story. I came across a true story of a priest in the Philippines whose life was powerfully changed one day. See, he carried this burden of a secret sin he had committed many years before. He had repented, but, but he still kind of in his own mind felt, you know, carried this re- regret and more like condemnation. And he had no sense of forgiveness because of what he kept thinking about. Well, in his church was a woman who deeply loved God, who claimed to have visions in which she spoke with Christ and, and Jesus with her. And the priest was skeptical, so to test her, he said, the next time you speak with Jesus, I want you to ask him what sin your priest committed while he was in seminary. The woman agreed. A few days later, the, the priest saw the woman and went up to her and asked, Well, did Jesus visit you in your dreams? Yes, he did, she replied. And did you ask him what sin I committed in seminary, the priest said. Yes, was the answer. Well, what did he say, asked the priest. And the woman said, He said, I don't remember. And you know what? That freed him totally. And he has changed forever. So you see now, in Jesus, you and I, our life is like this paralytic man that can be incredibly, powerfully, wonderfully changed by the power of forgiveness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this story, Lord, and, and this account, Lord, that happened almost 2,000 years ago, Lord. And it speaks to us today, Lord, and I think about how it speak, how it changed the sky, Lord, and it's changing us today when we really understand the power of your forgiveness. And I, I just pray for us right now, myself and anyone who's connected online, everyone in this room right now, that you would help us to go deeper in understanding this, these things, Lord, that we would not be held back by condemnation, Lord, that we would not be pulled back by our regrets into condemnation in those sins, Lord, that you've already forgiven us, that we've already confessed, that, that we've already come to you about, Lord. You're asking us, it's done. I don't remember it. It's, it, it's, it's done. Let's, let's move forward now. God, help us to to see that, to understand that, and to live that today. And by faith, know that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just because you died on the cross and rose again, Lord, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
God, thank you that because of what you've done, because we are your child, that you have put upon us your robes of righteousness, Lord. And that now we can live for you without this ball and chain we drag around, God. So, Lord, cut the chain for us tonight, Lord. And help us be, become whole. Lord, I pray for anyone here who, who has been under that condemnation and guilt and, and needs your forgiveness because they haven't gone to you yet, Lord. And I pray they would run to you right now. That they would confess their sins. And Lord, that you would come and touch them, take away the guilt, cleanse them, and free them from the condemnation. Oh Lord, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for, for always taking us in, Lord, even when we've messed up. With open arms, God, you welcome us back. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being our God. Lord, we want to we wanna live for you now. Help us to do that very thing. In Jesus' name, amen.